This morning we'll be reading from Acts chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in the nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect, and even tried to desecrate the temple so that we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over the nation, so I got gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship God, the God of our ancestors, as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially, ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd there, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state the crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, 
and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At that same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Well, thank you very much, Debbie. Well, if there's one thing that many of us hate, of course, it is delays. Uh, we all know that there's nothing worse than arriving at the airport uh, to take our flight, only to see the kind of notice board that you can see there on the screen. Our flight is delayed. Or we're driving along, uh, we're in a rush, uh, we need to get somewhere really quickly, and we uh, come across one of those um, signs on the road uh, which says, expect delays. Uh, none of us uh, likes that at all. Now, most of, of the time, of course, uh, the delays that we experience um, are really not that important and are sort of uh, only a matter of minor inconveniences, really, and then uh, everything is okay again. But of course, occasionally, delays can be much more important and much more serious uh, when a visa or a passport, for instance, is held up and delayed, or when we're waiting for really important news, like news of a job interview, maybe news of a university application, um, you know, news of a medical test. Um, and uh, it is uh, held up or delayed. In those instances, um, it is a lot more um, frustrating. Well, in our passage this morning, we see that Paul was experiencing a serious delay in um, Caesarea. Uh, we saw last week, you remember, that Paul really wants to, to get to Rome. Uh, he's praying that he can get to Rome. Jesus has even appeared to him and assured Paul that he will get to, to Rome and he will be Jesus' witness uh, in Rome to preach the gospel there. And uh, we saw last week that Paul has got as far as um, Caesarea on the coast. Uh, Paul's got um, 60 miles into his journey to Rome, but now he is delayed. You see that right at the end of our chapter, verse 27, where Paul is held up for over two years, uh, which must have been uh, incredibly um, frustrating for him. However, uh, we know that God is still in control, and God even has his plans and purposes for Paul in the midst of delay. Uh, he's able to share the gospel with the Roman governor, um, Felix, and his wife. So in the passage that was read for us this morning, verse 1 to 21, we really have Paul's public defense before Felix, uh, which we are not going to look at this morning. And uh, instead, I really want to um, focus our thoughts for the next while on what I've called Paul's private audience with Felix, uh, which is verse 22 down to 27, and which I've called an inconvenient truth. And I think there's uh, three possible lessons for us here from Governor um, Felix, and the first of them I've called someone who delays. And uh, we can see this in uh, verse uh, 22 to 23. So then, uh, who was this chap, um, Governor Felix? Well, you can see some um, fun facts about him there on the screen. So uh, Felix was Roman governor of Judea from uh, AD 52 to AD um, 60. Um, he would have uh, met Paul probably around AD 58, uh, which is when uh, Felix was in his late 40s. Um, Felix uh, was known as a harsh and oppressive ruler. 
uh, all of those things that uh, Tullus was kind of saying when he was accusing Paul about Felix having brought in this sort of long reign of peace and stuff, that's all total uh, nonsense. Uh, basically, uh, Felix was a harsh and oppressive ruler. Uh, the Roman uh, historian Tacitus says that uh, he ruled with the power of a king, but the mind of a slave, which uh, wasn't exactly intended as a compliment. And uh, he was married to Drusilla, uh, who was apparently very beautiful, so she was around uh, 20 years old at this time. This was already Drusilla's uh, second marriage, and it was uh, Felix's um, third. But really the big significance here in Acts is that Felix causes a delay. Uh, we see this in verse 22, when it um, says that Felix adjourned the proceedings. He was basically getting a little bit fed up. So it says, when Lysias, the commander, comes, I will decide your case. So really, Felix delays. Uh, there's no evidence from the text that uh, Lysias, the commander, um, did ever come from Jerusalem. And even if he did, then it obviously uh, didn't make any difference to Felix's verdict on Paul, because verse 27 tells us uh, that he left Paul in prison uh, for over two years. Uh, Felix was a wily politician. Uh, I think he realized that Paul was innocent of all the charges against him, and he ought to have been released. But yet he also realized that this would have really inflamed the Jews, uh, which he did, didn't want, as uh, he was already unpopular in, enough with them anyway, uh, and so he just delayed. As you can see there in verse 27, he left Paul where he was for the person who came after him to deal with. Uh, those of you who have a boss or a manager at work who just leaves all the problems for the uh, next person, well, it isn't new. Um, Felix was doing uh, exactly the same uh, way back in AD 58. However, what's interesting about um, Felix is uh, it is possible that there were some mixed motives going on. So it is true that Felix delays, but is it also true maybe that uh, he was a little bit open to the gospel? Well, it is possible. Uh, we're told there in verse 22 that uh, Felix was well acquainted with the way. So Felix uh, was well acquainted with Christianity. Uh, he knows something about Christ. Uh, maybe this came from the way that Paul had been um, defending himself uh, a few moments previously. But uh, actually, it is much more likely that uh, this came from his Jewish wife, Drusilla. Um, Drusilla was Jewish. Uh, she was actually the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. If you remember back to Acts chapter 12, uh, Herod Agrippa the, the um, first was the Herod who was mentioned there, who of course was a great persecutor of Christians. So if Drusilla had grown up in uh, uh, Herod's palace, which she did, then she would have almost certainly come into contact with Christians and what they believed. Um, it is also interesting here that um, Felix treats Paul well. Uh, we can see that in verse 23, where he keeps Paul under guard, but yet he seems to grant him a number of um, freedoms and allows the Christians to uh, come in and take care of his needs. And so it seems that in some ways, uh, Felix was reasonably well disposed to Christians and Paul and actually had some knowledge of Christianity. So we have someone who delays, but also someone who seems to have had mixed motives. And I think there's maybe a, a couple of lessons for us here. One of the obvious ones, I think, is that God is in control even of delays in our lives. So we've seen this throughout Acts, of course. Ultimately, it is always God who is moving the gospel forwards. 
Uh, God is the one in control of, of what's going on, and he's even able to move the gospel forwards in, in the midst of plots and persecutions, which we saw last week, and also delays, uh, which we see now. Pagan rulers are no obstacle um, to God's plans. Uh, this is what uh, one writer on Acts, uh, Chris Green, says uh, in his uh, little book on Acts, all the accidents and delays that happened to Paul along the way must be taken under the general rule that God would arrange for Paul to arrive in Rome and his clear control could not be overridden. I think it's uh, exactly right. Of course, Governor Felix would have thought that he was in charge, that he was in control, but you know he's not really. Um, God is in control, uh, even if we are not aware of it. Uh, maybe for a few of us this morning, we need to remember that nothing happens by accident. We may not like delays. We may find delays frustrating. We may wish that we weren't delayed, as I'm sure the Apostle Paul did here. But yet we need to remember that even delays are under the sovereign control of God. We may not like them, but God knows what he's doing, and he may even have plans and purposes for them, as we will see in a minute I think there's also a reminder here that we will come into contact in life uh, with people who have mixed motives. So it's uh, true that this guy Felix was a corrupt and wily and harsh politician, yet it also seems that at some level he was open to the, the gospel and was reasonably favorably disposed um, to Christians. It's a good reminder for us not to write people off based on one aspect of their character. Um, maybe uh, they are more interested than we actually realize. I think there's also a reminder here not to get too excited if somebody well-known demonstrates a knowledge of the gospel or spends time with Christians. Of course, those things are, are a great blessing and the um, things that we can hopefully build on to share the gospel. We should all, always pray that um, someone's knowledge of, of the gospel, I guess, bears um, fruit in their, their life. But yet, it is possible to have a good working knowledge of Christianity and hang out with Christians, but yet not have trusted in Jesus Christ personally. Uh, knowledge of the gospel and knowing Christians does not equal being a Christian yourself. Uh, and I think somebody like Felix uh, makes that really clear. And so in a, a, our world, we could maybe think of somebody like Justin Bieber, perhaps, or Kanye West, uh, both of whom have had their uh, picture taken with pastors uh, in recent years and made uh, fairly explicit statements about their knowledge of Jesus. Again, we would hope and pray that uh, those kind of statements are actually true. It's obviously impossible to know what's really going on in a uh, celebrity's life on their Instagram feed. But yet the example of Felix, I think, would encourage us here to be discerning. Uh, people are capable of mixed motives especially those who are in the public eye, like um, Felix was. And knowing about Christianity and having your picture taken with well-known Christians like Paul and being nice to them does not actually uh, make you into a Christian yourself. So then uh, we see that Felix was somebody who delays, but then we see here as well that he was somebody who hears. Because Felix comes to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we read there in verse 24, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So Felix heard the gospel. The next verse, verse 25, we see that Paul specifically goes on to talk about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. 
Now, I'm not sure what topics you would spend your time talking about if um, somebody asked you about Jesus and the gospel, but I would um, guess that we probably wouldn't end up talking about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. But yet that is what Paul speaks about here. So, why does Paul uh, speak about these things here? Well, um, I think the big point here is that Paul is really exposing their need of God and he's pointing them towards Jesus Christ. Each of these things, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, they are all things that expose our need of God and uh, explain to us why we need Christ. It's worth saying, of course, that uh, each of them would have been especially relevant to um, Felix and Drusilla. I've already alluded to the fact that um, Drusilla was very beautiful and that at uh, this point in, in time she would have been around 20 years old. Uh, she'd been previously married to um, somebody else, but Felix had basically seduced her and then he had persuaded her to get rid of her, her old husband uh, so that she could be with him instead. And so a message of righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come would have been very relevant indeed. It's worth making the point here that Paul was really bold. Uh, Felix was a corrupt and oppressive ruler who had the power of life and death over Paul, but yet that didn't stop Paul from telling Felix the truths, the hard home truths that he really needed to hear. That's a great example for us too uh, in the world that we live in. I think each of these truths then is designed to expose our need of God. Uh, when it comes to righteousness here, it's possible that uh, Paul is talking about the way that Felix was running his province and he was just sort of saying that Felix really needed to be kind of doing it in a way that was more fair and righteous. But I actually think it's much more likely that Paul here was talking about uh, righteousness in terms of our standing with God. Uh, the Bible teaches that God is holy and that God is perfectly pure and perfectly righteous in all that he, he does. He has established righteous laws about how we are to act and how we are to relate to him. But yet the problem is that none of us have lived up to them. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed to live up to God's righteousness. And this renders us liable to God's judgment, um, as we'll see in a moment. And then what about self-control? Uh, if you're anything like me, there's nothing that exposes my need for God more than my lack of self-control. Uh, as Oscar Wilde once famously said, I can resist anything except temptation. And uh, isn't that true for all of us here, that we can resist anything except temptation? And it doesn't matter whether it's eating too much food, whether it's getting uh, angry at our kids or our spouse, uh, losing our cool when we are, are really late for a meeting and, uh, and a bus is held up perhaps, um, giving into lust when we ought not to, which was uh, exactly um, Governor Felix's problem here. See, if um, self-control exposes our need for, for God. Uh, we cannot control ourselves, so where can we turn? And then lastly, we also see here the judgment to, to come. Again, there's nothing that exposes our need for God more than the fact that there is a judgment to come. We may think that we can fix many areas of our lives, but surely the one area of our lives that none of us can fix is God's judgment, uh, which is hanging over us. In many ways, this is a kind of logical outworking of the earlier points. It's because we are not righteous 
and because we lack self-control, that we are liable to the judgment of God. Uh, I think for many of us, perhaps, one of the reasons that we are very slow to tell other people about Jesus is that uh, we don't really feel their need. Um, we look at their lives and think that they may be okay as they are. Many of them, perhaps, everything seems to be going well for them. They've got a really good job. They seem well-educated. They seem to have got nice kids. Uh, they seem to be kind, upst upstanding people who care about others. And so we tend to assume that they are okay as they are and that they have no need of Christ. But actually, the doctrine of God's judgment reminds us that nobody is okay as they are. The fact that Jesus will one day return is the ultimate leveller. It's one reason why every single one of us, from the richest to the poorest, from the most successful to the least successful, from the person with the most friends to the person with no friends, every single one of us will one day stand before the judgment of God and will give an account to him. The Bible is crystal clear on this. Uh, Hebrews 9, verse 27, people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. It's the ultimate, ultimate leveller. Uh, we may not like the idea of judgment. Maybe this is one of those ideas that you really wish wasn't in the Bible, uh, that you find a little bit embarrassing. But I actually don't think the idea of judgment has ever been popular. I don't think it was popular back in Paul's day either. But yet Paul was faithful to the gospel, and uh, we need to be as well. There are many things in the Bible which aren't clear, but judgment is not one of them. The Bible is clear that one day Jesus will return, the dead will be raised, those who have trusted in him will be saved, and those who have not trusted him will suffer God's wrath and will be consigned to an eternity in hell. Now, of course, that's not the only part of the Christian message, and we need to make sure that we're talking about God's love and mercy and forgiveness as well. But it is an important part, and the reason why it's so important is because it exposes our need of God. It's impossible to understand Jesus' death on the cross and why Jesus died and why that's important unless we have first understood that we are rightly under the judgment of God and are guilty before him. Well, hopefully you can see how Paul exposes the need of Felix and Drusilla and how he also exposes our own need of God. The reason we need God is because of righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. How should we respond to all this? Well, that's really summed up in the last half there, verse 24, where we read that uh, Felix listened to Paul as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. What do we need? We need faith in Christ how can we be declared righteous? How can we grow in self-control through the power of the Spirit? How can we be rescued from the judgment to come? Well, only by faith in Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us on the cross. Praise God. None of us here this morning ever needs to face God's judgment alone because Jesus has come and has taken God's judgment on the cross so that we don't have to. And that salvation, that rescue from judgment can be yours this morning uh, as soon as you come to believe in him. Uh, as we were singing uh, just a little bit earlier on, your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The wrath of God completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. That's a great reminder uh, of the heart of the gospel. Uh, what, what are some of the applications of all this to ourselves? Well, I think for those of us this morning who are Christians, I think one big one 
is that the big thing that we need to be praying for, for our friends who aren't Christians, or our relatives who aren't Christians maybe, is that they would come to see their need of God. Surely that's the most important thing they need to come to see their need of God. For those doing Christianity Explored later on, maybe pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment, as it says um, in John's Gospel. Uh, Pray that they would be so convinced of the reality of judgment and their need for righteousness and their lack of self-control that they might run to Jesus Christ with open arms. And surely that's what we need to be praying for those who we know that aren't Christians. Um, I had one pastor say recently that uh, this is the one thing that he prays for, that uh, those who aren't Christians would grasp their need of Christ. I think he's absolutely right. If someone hasn't realized their true spiritual state before God and that they are under God's judgment, then they can never ever come to truly understand uh, what Jesus has done for them. Uh, I was uh, rereading a chapter this week from the autobiography of the Christian evangelist Billy Graham about his um, friendship with the former US President uh, Richard Nixon. And you can see a picture there of um, Billy Graham and uh, Richard Nixon on the, the screen. Now, I know that this has been a little bit controversial, and there have been all sorts of accusations that basically Nixon really played Graham for his own ends. But yet what is really clear from Billy Graham's autobiography is that uh, Billy Graham often reminded uh, Richard Nixon of his accountability to God. Um, Shortly before Richard Nixon died, uh, he was having lunch with Graham and uh, Billy Graham said these words. He said, Dick, we don't have many years left, you and I, and I pray that we are both ready to meet the Lord. The scripture says, prepare to meet God. If either of us is not prepared, we had better get ready now. Then he recounts, once again, I outlined the gospel for him, although, of course, he already knew it. Well, whatever else we can say, Billy Graham was faithful at confronting Richard Nixon with his accountability before God and his need of him, exactly like Paul was here uh, with Governor Felix. So I wonder, are we, are we willing to be faithful uh, to the message of the gospel, uh, including the message of judgment? Uh, prepare to meet God. If we are not prepared, we had better get ready. Well then, we've uh, seen that Felix is somebody who delays. Uh, We also see that he's someone who hears. And then, tragically, we also see that he is somebody who rejects. And this is really the great tragedy of Felix. It really is a case of so near and yet so far. In the middle of verse 25... We read that after hearing Paul speak of the judgment to come, that Felix was afraid, which is exactly the right response, by the way, um, to the message of judgment. And in many ways, this is the sort of key moment for Felix. It seems like the conviction of the Spirit has gripped Felix's heart. It seems like he understands his need. He knows that he's sort of uh, hanging over the precipice, if you like. Surely now is the moment for him to repent and turn towards God. But yet, tragically, he lets the moment pass. His response, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. So why did this happen? Uh, Why did Felix reject? Well, I think there's three reasons in our passage, and uh, the first of them is a desire for control. I think this is a very common reason why people reject God, a desire for control. Um, Here, whatever Paul had said to Felix had managed to get through Felix's uh, outer defences. He knew it was true, yet it was just too threatening for him. 
And so he did what many of us do. He decides to reassert his control. Uh, and so he basically says, I'm in charge. This is all going to be done according to my schedule. Uh, I don't want to hear it anymore right now. I'll give you a call when it's convenient, uh, when I've got time to investigate further. I'll investigate Christianity when I've got through my latest round of exams. It's a really hectic time at work, like now, but uh, I'll be back at church in July. There's plenty of time to look into Jesus when I'm older. Do any of those ring bells? I've heard all of those three things uh, in the last 12 months. They're all basically uh, different versions of what Felix says here. Don't hassle me about it right now. When I find it convenient, then I will send for you. We also see, though, there's another reason why Felix rejects, which is his desire for money. Uh, We see this clearly in verse 26. Um, Felix told Paul that he would send for Paul when it was convenient, but it actually ended up being convenient very often because we're told that uh, he was looking for a bribe. Uh, Felix was greedy for money. He uh, must have known from the defense earlier that Paul had brought gifts to the Jerusalem church. And so he maybe thought, here's a guy that's got money. Maybe I can make a little bit extra for myself. Many places in the New Testament, we are warned that the desire to get rich can keep us from Christ. There's many examples. Uh, One would be these words from the words of Jesus in the parable of the sower where we read in uh, Mark 4 and uh, verse 18 and 19. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what a warning for us this morning. Don't let the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire to get rich, or the desire for other things come in and choke God's word. How important that is. Make sure you are still here in a year's time. That you haven't been dragged away from your interest in Christ um, like Felix was here. Lastly, we also see here the desire for popularity. So we see this there at the end of verse 27. It says that Felix left Paul in prison for two years. Uh, Why did he do this? Well, it says he wanted to grant a favor to the Jews. He wanted to be popular. I've not got time to go into all the uh, historical and um, political background of this right now, but I love that kind of thing. So if you're interested, uh, please do ask me afterwards. But the basic story is that uh, Felix was really unpopular with the Jews. Uh, They were making complaints against him to the emperor in Rome, which obviously put Felix in an awkward place. So Felix couldn't really risk antagonizing the Jews anymore. And so his desire to be popular won out, and uh, he left Paul in prison Some of the great ironies of our culture, of course. We are constantly told to be ourselves and to do our own thing, but yet being ourselves, of course, looks like um, blending in with everybody else's views, and we get cancelled if we don't do that. We aren't really allowed to be that different, are we? And so we want to be popular uh, rather than take the risk of being known as a Christian. Of course, it's not just teenagers who that applies to, um, but the rest of us as well. As um, John Stott summarizes, unfortunately, there is no evidence that Felix ever capitulated to Christ and was redeemed. On the contrary, Felix left Paul in prison in order to win the Jews' favor, which means that he coveted not only money, but also glory. 
And so if you are someone here this morning who isn't a Christian yet, and you are delaying receiving Christ, then let me ask you, what is the reason for your delay? Um, If you're honest, uh, is it one of the reasons mentioned here? A desire to keep control of your own life, a desire for money, a desire to be popular, being well thought of by men is more important than being saved by God. I think uh, one reason why Luke records this story for us in in Acts is so that we won't make the same mistake that Felix did, uh, but that we might come to know the true and living God. This is meant to be a sobering story for us, Um, so close, but yet so far. Uh, Verse 25 could have so easily gone the opposite way, couldn't it? Uh, Wouldn't it be wonderful if verse 25 had read, as as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid, and so he said, thank you for sharing with me. This is the message I need to hear. Please tell me more about this Jesus so that I can come to know him for myself. But instead, Felix wanted to remain in control, and so he said, that's enough for now when I find it convenient. I will send for you. Don't make the same mistake that Governor Felix did. Then as we close, I think there's also a lesson here for us from Paul. I mean, imagine how frustrating uh, all this must have been for poor old Paul. Uh, He knows he's innocent. Uh, He knows that Governor Felix knows that he's innocent. But yet Felix keeps him locked up and delays him getting to Rome for two more years. It's a bit like waiting at the airport and your flight gets delayed and then it gets delayed again, and again, and again, and again. How frustrating all this must have been for Paul. But I think the message for us is that the gospel continued to spread, even in spite of delay. Okay, it probably wasn't the kind of opportunity Paul was looking for, but yet he did get to share the gospel with Felix. And even although there's no evidence that Felix responded positively, Paul was obedient to God and continued to trust in him. It reminds us that God is in control of our delays. You may be somebody who's experiencing some kind of delay this morning. Um, Do you know that God can use that, frustrating though it may be, for his plans and purposes? Are you open to what God might do and new ways that he might be guiding you, uh, even through a period of waiting and delay? Uh, Maybe there's even somebody out there who God wants you to be sharing the gospel with, uh, who you wouldn't have come into contact with otherwise. Uh, if you hadn't have been delayed. Well, I pray that uh, all this is uh, encouraging for us this morning. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to give thanks for your words to us this morning. We especially want to give thanks for this uh, sobering warning um, from Felix. Father, may we not be those who only listen to you when it's convenient or who are blinded by the desires for money or popularity or control and so miss out on a relationship with you. Help us to respond with repentance and faith so that we can face the judgment to come with confidence. And we ask uh, all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.